Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of Meta Strategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. Our conversation today is from our recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. The topic is digital transformation in the new normal, diving into how digital capabilities have been used to shape new customer interactions during the pandemic while exploring the evolution of digital strategy in a post-pandemic world. The interviewees were Mike Macri, the Chief Information Officer of Subway, and Keith Fulton, the Chief Information Officer for Account Processing at Fiserv. The person who led the conversation is Alex Krauss, MetaStrategy's Vice President and the East Coast Office Leader, who joins me now. Alex, welcome. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm very happy to be here. Alex, talk a little bit about this topic, certainly very relevant um, in terms of the digital transformation in the, the new normal, but talk a little bit about the specifics of why you thought it should be included in, in our symposium. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the, uh, the, the the current pandemic, uh, as, as impactful as it is for everyone, uh, has widely been touted as a uh, significant digital accelerator, uh, something that many organizations uh, are dealing with across the globe, frankly, um, at different stages of maturity uh, and different uh, stages in the pandemic. Uh, and we have seen that those organizations that are fairly mature when it comes to their digital competencies are doing fairly well. Uh, those organizations that are lagging behind or who are still building out their digital competencies are not doing so well. Uh, and I thought it was really um, would be interesting to talk to two leading um, digital and technology executives about how their respective organizations uh, have dealt with that and are planning to, to look into the future. Uh, we still don't really know what the new normal looks like, uh, and it's really hard um, to prepare for that, but all organizations and the executives need to be prepared. Uh, one data point, uh, we had a poll earlier, uh, and uh, this is backed up by many other data points, but uh, the vast majority of executives say that uh, the current pandemic has accelerated digital uh, to a degree that is unprecedented. Um, I think in our poll here, we have uh, seen that almost 97% of executives said in one form or another, uh, the pandemic is accelerating uh, digital agendas. So I thought it was worthwhile uh, talking to two uh, amazing executives representing very different organizations that actually tied uh, in, in one way, and we'll get into that a little bit, and uh, speak about their experiences, uh, both internally for their operational efficiency, but also externally as far as shaping their respective customer experiences concerned. A very interesting data point you share, Alex, and the fact that despite it's the fact that it's certainly a time for for belt tightening, that uh, this remains a, a key initiative, and in fact, in one that many people are investing in, generally speaking. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the interviewees themselves. I mentioned earlier Mike Macri from Subway, Keith Fulton from Fiserv. Uh, Alex, talk a little bit about um, about each of them and why they were compelling people through whom to to uh, spin the web of this narrative. Yeah, uh, gladly. Uh, so, so both organizations are, are leading organizations in their in their own right. Subway is the largest largest quick serve uh, organization in the world, and it is touching uh, virtually millions of customers and users um, worldwide. Uh, and when the pandemic hit, uh, like so many other restaurants, uh, the foot traffic into their physical locations 
uh, went close to, down close to zero and, and remained significantly impacted. So while they had significant uh, digital competencies, they essentially had to rely on these competencies more than anyone could have expected. And it's really interesting to see how not just the corporate headquarters responded, but also how their franchisees responded uh, and how many uh, innovative ideas uh, came from the various franchisees uh, across the world. Uh, for Fiserv, uh, Fiserv is in the business of providing uh, technologies uh, to, to banks um, across uh, the U.S. and worldwide. And, and they uh, are a fairly digitally mature organization, uh, but in many ways, uh, everything was accelerated. And Keith Fulton speaks to that uh, in very uh, insightful terms. Um, they saw the traffic go up significantly. They were involved in the Paycheck Protection Program, something that touched so many Americans and clearly was very important. Uh, and uh, the interesting thing that both executives talk about is not just how they dealt uh, with the pandemic so far, but also how they position themselves and their organizations, um, as well as their digital capabilities uh, to prepare themselves for what we call the new normal, although nobody really knows what that new normal will look like. So there's a little bit of scenario planning um, and contingency planning uh, that is part of every organization's strategic plan. And both Keith and Mike uh, get into that uh, in our interview. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Zoho Finance Plus is a unified finance platform. Here, we have bundled seven different apps to align finance processes of most enterprises, starting with invoicing, books, inventory, subscription, expense management, payroll, and checkout, to collect all your payments with out-of-the-box integration with Stripe, PayPal, Worldplay, and many others. Zoho Books provides end-to-end accounting, right from negotiating deals to raising orders to invoicing. It handles all the mundane tasks so you can focus on your business. Invoice your customers for one-time or subscription-based payment plans. Help your employees do their expense management with single touch from mobile device. With multi-currency, multi-bank, multi-country support. Learn more at zoho.com slash finance. Well, without further ado, let's get into that conversation. Alex Krauss in conversation with Subway CIO Mike Macri and Fiserv CIO of Account Processing Keith Fulton discussing digital transformation in the new normal. Thank you so much, Peter. What a wonderful conversation, a series of conversations we have had so far. I'm really excited to, to continue this and talk about uh, digital transformation and, as we confirmed through the earlier poll, digital acceleration. I'm joined by, by two amazing technology leaders uh, who come from different industries, but interestingly, industries that are closely connected. On the one hand, we have uh, Mike Macri, the uh, CIO of Subway. Mike joined Subway from Lando Lakes to focus on evolving uh, customer expectations and experiences. This, of course, all uh, pre-COVID. As you probably uh, all know, Subway is the largest quick-surf company in the world with approximately 24,000 restaurants just in the U.S. and close to 42,000 worldwide. Uh, it's a privately held company uh, with revenues in the, in the $10 billion range. And what I find remarkable, Mike shared with me uh, in preparation for the conversation today, that despite its, its reach and its size, it is also due to the franchise model, really a collection of the, 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 the quintessential moms and pops in the economy, something we'll come back to, but something that's relevant uh, for the topic. On the other hand, Keith Fulton. Uh, Keith is, is the CIO for account processing at Fiserv. Fiserv is a global provider of payment and financial services technology solutions, and Keith joined Fiserv from ADP, another big brand name. 
Fiserv, if you don't know that, is a large company, uh, also around uh, $10 billion in revenue, 44,000 employees, and, and I find this number staggering, processes about 100 billion transactions every year, operates in, uh, in 100 countries, and really is the backbone for, for many financial institutions. While you may not know that, you've probably touched uh, Fiserv technology, uh, have been touched uh, by Fiserv technology. So thank you, thank you both. Uh, for, for joining me. And, and let's start with a topic that we have begun to touch a little bit. Uh, but Mike, why don't we start with you? Uh, tell us a little bit how the digital agenda, which I imagine was a full agenda, but how it changed uh, as it was clear uh, what the magnitude and impact of the COVID crisis meant. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Subway is going through a pretty big transformation here, both from a business transformation, a market transformation. You know, consumers are changing the way they eat and their buying habits and, and how they eat. And a digital revolution, right? All these uh, competitors, third-party delivery firms that are out there have really changed our industry dramatically over the last five years. Now, quick-serve restaurants have always changed quickly and adapted with the times. But for Subway specifically, some of our competitors, and that's one of the big things that we were working on. When COVID hit, it was a real, a real challenge, I think, for everyone in the restaurant industry, ourselves as well as we sought to react to what was happening and the closure of many parts by mandate and by law. And so, you know, what we had was a, as a very methodical, planned out three-year transformation plan, we were pulling elements in in record time. We were dealing with work from home strategies that weren't even on our radar. And we saw volumes increase in our digital channels as digital ordering came online increased by 800 to 900% in a very short window of time. And other functions that you didn't think would be as affected, you know, in a normal digital transformation, overnight we had to figure out solutions for it. So, you know, I, I know we may come back to it, but it did prove that the human is still the most adaptable and a computer in the world when you're faced with a crisis of this nature. And so, you know, we had to deal with issues, everything from massive increases in volume in our tech stack to huge employee issues that we had to deal with all the way through to just completely radical processes that we had to change because you couldn't get into the office anymore. So for us, it was a radical change of priorities that we had to accelerate a ton overnight to, to, to basically survive and help our franchisees survive. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And that's interesting. And it's also interesting you mentioned payments, uh, touchless payments. I know Subway has been a leader on that front. And that, of course, is the connection uh, to the company like, like Fiserv. Uh, Keith, if I can turn it over to you, in addition to the crisis, COVID that we are talking about, you were also dealing uh, with, a, with a business issue in its own right, $22 billion merger integration after the acquisition of First Data. Uh, so you were really dealing with all of these things. So how was the digital agenda affected for you and your colleagues? Well, certainly, you know, I resonated a lot with what Michael said there. You know, everything was upside down and changed. So we, we had that too. I think the interesting thing for us, though, as a software company that that powers banks, right? We also have the payment side with first data and so forth. But, but the, the part that I'm close to is the bank and credit union side of this. And what we saw was that the, the strategies of our customers changed overnight, right? They had to close their branches. And as they closed their branches or as people just stopped going to them, as they, some of them tried to keep their drive-throughs open and so forth, you know, all of a sudden the bank's digital strategies became absolutely paramount. And before it was, you know, there's a bell curve of banks that, some, you know, some have a very aggressive strategy online and others don't. And now they all are aggressive online. And so as, our, as thousands of our customers have pivoted in their digital strategies, we have had to 
you know, sort of mirror that and keep up with them and, and, and help them and be the partner they need to help them navigate something that may be actually quite unfamiliar to them. I think the, the big statistics for us was that, you know, when the stimulus checks started going out to people, we processed billions and billions of dollars worth of those just through ACH and some paper checks and what have you. But our online banking, the day that that first set of deposits went out from the Fed uh, or from the Treasury Department, our online banking volumes were 4X our previous record. Not 4X our average, 4X our record, okay? And then I would say ongoing, things like permanent behavior change with remote deposit, you know, where you take a picture of your check and then you take a picture of the back of the check, so on. That, that rate doubled overnight of the people that were adopting that. I think once you've done that, you'll never go back to a branch again. So I, th I think that whole industry is going to be very different going forward. There are many other examples. Yeah, I think those are good ones for now. Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. So increase in volume. What I want to come back to is something, Keith, that you and I discussed a, a number of times. But but you said you you instilled agility. You were on the you still are, but you were on an agile journey before this happened. But you said during the crisis, and you alluded to, to the PPP program already. You learned that you were able to do things faster uh, than you previously were able to do. That's that's amazing. But I was wondering which of those learnings uh, you think are repeatable and scalable uh, as we come out of this crisis. Yeah, I think you know a couple a couple takeaways. First of all, our top management all learned how fast we can really do things if we have to. Okay, and so that resets a baseline for now everything we want to do. We we talk about COVID speed, right? And what we I think what we really mean is COVID reaction speed, right? It's not about the how fast the pandemic spreads is about how we reacted to it. And I think we're proud of ourselves for that. I would say clearing the decks, getting people, you get your best people and you, you assign them to this and you take away everything else that they're doing. You get them only to focus maniacally on what they're doing. And I think the other one really is the power of automation, right? If you get, so we were pushing software out the door so fast because we had, we had had the automation in place that we needed to do that with our private cloud infrastructure. And the, the, the CEO had never seen anything like that. We, we, we wrote the, the product to process small business loans, which was a program the SBA created in just a matter of a few weeks. And we, in a four-week period, we wrote over 100,000 lines of code with six guys. And they, they pushed, I, I'm looking, I wrote it down, 436 separate releases of production in 24 days. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's 100 times faster than Fiserv normally does it. So not to be too disparaging, but that's the truth. <laughs> like they, that's the speed now that we need to emulate. Now we know what the ceiling is. Every other team now that we have in development needs to be aspiring to get closer to that ceiling. Amazing. So really a combination of people and, and technology and automation. So that's, that's, uh, that's yeah. great, great insight. Mike, I want to come back to something you said earlier when we talked about the franchises and the moms and pops. So you previously shared that a lot of innovation for you comes not just from the corporate center, but also from the franchisee. And I was wondering if you could talk about that in general, but also specific what that meant for the COVID response. Sure. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, humans tend to be the most, the fastest innovators and adapt way greater to a crisis like this than a, than a computer can or AI can yet. And for us, we also got a lot of our historical innovation from the field. And so our franchisees were always encouraged as part of our company culture to innovate on their own, to figure out what works, and then incubate those ideas. And in, in this crisis was, was no different. We had franchisees with, who set up their own technology solutions like Subway Grocery, which was not a corporate sanctioned or sponsored piece where they were, they were basically 
delivering the bulk packages and selling those to people when they couldn't get out of their houses or couldn't get to stores and were delivering them. Some were setting up curbside. A lot of places figured it out without a, a single piece of use of technology. I mean, you also think about the old technologies that are out there that used to work, you know, bells when you drive up that ring a bell in the store to let you know that a curbside person has come up or walkie-talkies. If you didn't have a drive-through, you could stick a walkie-talkie outside and, and use it to, to, to create a little drive-through when no one was being allowed in the stores for a certain period of time. So to see our franchise innovate and solve these problems and, and, and you know, basically, you know, keep their businesses sustainable through this period was really amazing. And then we took the learnings from that and we created two or three programs. I mean, we were focused on liquidity for them. So we were focused on PPP initially and making sure that they got access to that and, and tried to get them to the front of the line the best way we could. And, and other things like a, a national curbside program, which we're, which we're rolling out in the next month or so. So, you know, there, there's, it's a lot, a little bit longer lead time to do 42,000 stores globally than, than an individual franchisee can do. And so, you know, a lot of that initial innovation came from them, and then we supported them uh, as it matured. And, and, you know, we're proud of having that two-part model and how we solve these problems. That's great. And, and really, again, a, a combination of technology innovation and just human innovation. That, that, that's wonderful. Following up to that, for both of you, there's a lot of changes, right? And some changes are, I mean, I like the, the taping of the walkie-talkie example. I mean, some changes are here to stay, uh, others are not. And if you, if you can look into your crystal balls, uh, what do you think are changes uh, to the digital capabilities in your organizations or in your industry that you think uh, will have a lasting or the most lasting uh, impact uh, beyond this? Well, well, I think that the consumer changes are here to stay. I mean, these were trends that were happening anyway. You could see where they were going, and now they've just been accelerated. And the way we we expect, you know, th these micro-segmentations of consumers, the one who likes delivery, the one who likes pickup, the one who likes carryout, you know, th there's a there's a value in there for each micro-segment, and you've got to serve each segment individually and with speed, accuracy, quality, in a way that's basically, you know, fulfills their values and desires at any given time. I think also the digital transformation we see in the office is not going to go away. They use a Teams, uh, remote collaboration, remote workforces, less travel. We went overnight from printing 50% checks to printing zero checks in about one week. You know, these things are not coming back. We're not going to be storing paper anymore. The legal department, much to their dismay here, has changed overnight. I don't see us going back. And so what was a three-year, you know, plan to get people methodically through change management and everything else overnight just happened. And, you know, whether it's employee-based or whether it's consumer-based or whether it's industry-based, I think a lot of these trends have accelerated and are not going to go backwards. I, you know, I'll ask Keith for his comments on this, but I am one of those people I was the, the I use digital everything except photo you know photocopying my check and now I'm all in I'm not doing so Keith I don't know if you saw anything in the world that was similar yeah no I think we what we see is that people who try the to take pictures of the check the first time they do it they never go back to a branch so I would say in this you know I voted for ad hoc here right I don't I don't think we're using any particular framework for it the executive committee has a daily meeting. COVID and COVID response and what are we doing? And, and, and that's internally managing our business and also how we're supporting our clients. And so I, I think our, our model is very conservative, but it's very event-driven. And I don't, think, I don't think anybody's in any rush to go back at this point because the model's working uh, pretty well as it is. And, uh, you know, I just, 
I, I think there's a lot of emphasis on flexibility, on letting people opt in and opt out and so on, and it's just very event-driven. Yeah, and, and, from, and from my side, we, I would say financial scenario planning, but we have not found anyone in our industry that can really predict what the consumer is going to do next. I mean, it's very spiky. You know, when, when they released uh, us from our homes, everyone went out. Then they started going back to, you know, to remote ordering. Now that's coming down a little bit. And are they going back to grocery or they're not going in store because we see that. So, you know, all the previous models and all that work people have done over 20 years, it's worthless to predict day, yeah. month, year right now. So we're taking a much more, we have several scenarios financially planned out, but yeah. pr trying to predict what that consumer behavior is going to be on the whim of, you know, what the stock market's doing, how their financial situation's doing, whether the government's going to give them uh, those, the next round of checks or not. Since all of that is unknown and, and government lockdowns are unknown, we're just trying to react faster to the, to the marketplace versus try to pre-plan everything right now. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Monday when my guest will be Atif Rafiq, President, Commercial and Growth at MGM Resorts International.